All right, welcome everyone to another episode of Behind the Human. I am your host, Mark Champagne, and it is my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness practices of people living to top their game personally and professionally. Today, I am jamming with Tommy, who helps dreamers, visionaries, and entrepreneurs bring those dreams to life and create a life they can't wait to wake up for. As the author of Unresolution, The 1% Rule, and The Leap of Your Life, and also soon to be out, Hustlers and Seekers actually might be out once this this releases, so make sure to check the show notes. He believes that living up to our potential is what we're here for. Through his writing, High Performance Coaching, and Resist Average Academy podcast, he's helped thousands of people take their next bold step and never look back. Tommy, my man, welcome to the show. Mark, so excited and humbled to be here and excited to co-create. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Well, before we get into all the work, I mean, I'd love to just get that baseline question out to you. And that's just, who are you? What what defines Tommy as we speak <laughs> here today? I love hearing this on your show. Uh, I love hearing people's reactions because it's, it's one of my favorite questions. And so it's an evolution. Uh, but today, as of this moment, I consider myself a seeker of moments, uh, ravenous in my quest, quest for meaning, and here to really discover uh, how to live a life that Henry David Thoreau c- called um, driving life into a corner um, and really extracting what it really means to be here. So that's how mm. I'll answer that today on this podcast. Wow. Well, I mean, just having taken a, an advanced look at your book, uh, Hustlers and Seekers, now, now, anytime I hear the word seeker, I immediately <laughs> go to a certain world. So we'll definitely have to unpack that. And it, you know, as I was saying before we hit record, uh, I really resonate with these two different worlds. And I'd love to start getting into some of your work and getting your perspective and your backstory, obviously, that led to some of these realizations. But just through, there's, there's a, there's a passage that I pulled from the book that I think really sets the stage. And I'd, I'd love to read it for the, for the listeners. It goes like this. In this world, you're a ruthless achiever. You must wake up at 4.30 a.m., dominate your morning, and complete an 11-step ritual before sunrise. Man, I resonate with that. You can't ever take your foot off the gas. Otherwise, you're going to lose and succumb to a life of toil, averageness, and medioc- mediocrity. What? First of all, <laughs> damn, you, you really hit it on that one. But like, what? why write that? What, uh, what led to that, those few lines, I should say? Yeah, you know, we all we all create. Uh, I believe we create brands and products and services and books and contents, starting with self preservation. And so that line and that example exemplifies a worldview um, that I had for a very long time. That was how much can I achieve um, at the sac- sacrifice of basically anything to either prove myself or heal some part of myself. Um, for me, I grew up in a, I grew up in the States, but I also grew up in a third world country. So I had this, um, this feeling of not belonging and, and that really drove me to this obsession with, with excellence. And so that line, um, was my worldview for a while until I realized this isn't working. And when I say working, it goes back to, you know, how I define success now, which, you know, is much more comprehensive than it was back then. And I know it resonates with a lot of people because this is the cultural norm, right? To yeah. do as much as we can, to extract as much value out of our day. And there's so much good that comes from that world until it starts to work against us. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because when I read that line and when I first read it, I was actually in the headspace of your of your other world, like the seeker. Because I mean, I have all these practices early morning that set up that that wellness uh, framework that I operate from, and then also prime my mind for the day. So I was sure. thinking it from that perspective. But it obviously goes both ways in like the hustle economy. Um, and I've noticed over the years as well, especially when it comes to for whatever reason uh, conversations around meditation. And I hear people saying things like, oh, I, you know, I didn't get my meditation in today. I really got to get it in. And it's like the, the, the narrative behind that 
is almost completely the opposite of the result that people are trying to seek from the actual practice itself, right? It's like you're stressing to get the the practice in, um, which is obviously counterproductive to, to, to why you're doing it in the first place. But this like push-pull scenario with whether it's the seeker world or the wellness world, and then the other side of it, like the... Gary Vee style, like hustle, hustle, which even, you know, when you really look at his work, like he's a, he's a different character, obviously. And, and he's, Absolutely. Very, he's very honest about like, Hey, I don't like to go golfing on the weekend. Like I like what I'm doing. And he's, he's, the more you get to know him, I find the more that that comes out, but on the outside is like this grind, grind, grind kind of scenario. So why don't you just set the stage a bit? Cause I know you've lived both of those worlds to the extreme. To give sure. a few examples there, then we can just, you know, go back and forth on uh, hopefully helping people on, on the other side recognize when they're in these worlds and hopefully pause to at least do some thought whether they want to be or not. Exactly. And and by the way, to be fair, um, you know, Gary has really uh, backed away from that word um, very intentionally yeah. over the last three or four years. And it's much, much more nuanced. Uh, and, and like you said, we know that someone like that, um, as far as we can tell, and we can tell because there's so much stuff that he does, is that's authentic to him. And, and that's really yeah. what this book and the conversations that you and I are having are about. It's how can you find your true north, but emphasis on true with a capital T, right? Like your true compass, your true north of the life that you want to design and you want to live and the business and all of the stuff that's a part of it. And for him, you can tell he's he's exactly where where he should be because it's his true north. Um, so, so basically, uh, you know, I've explored what does it mean to live a thriving life, and um, and for for a long time, I thought that was really found in the world of achievement. How can you create excellence in your life, in your career, in your business, and create results and progress? Um, so that's one model. So let's call that the the do more model, the doing model. Again, that only got me so far because there was a, a law of diminishing returns that I wasn't aware of, um, but I would always go past it because I thought, hey, if this is giving me this level of progress, then I must get more so I can extract more of that same thing, right? Sounds about um, right. <laughs> until I found that I don't really have the relationships that I wanted first with myself and with others. I didn't have the physicality uh, and the energy that, um, that I wanted. I was making decisions that were erratic based on short-term gain and not this long-term perspective. So I was like, there has to be a better way. And naturally, I'm very introspective. I ask a lot of questions, which, which, which we'll get into. So I consider myself also a natural seeker. And in the seeking world, and I just use this as labels, there's the hustling world and the seeking world. It's about meaning. It's about space. It's about self-care. It's about spending long periods of time disconnected in nature, maybe hiring mentors or gurus or going to retreats and really just exploring and, like you said, consciousness practices. But I also found that that world, while very potent also had some some downsides and also had some shadow sides, which is um, at some point you can gather all of these insights, but they, you kind of hoard them. They stay yours. They don't turn into anything. And, um, and I would have these conversations with people in this world who deep down, if they got very serious, very honest, there was something that they wanted to bring into the world, but they were kind of using these practices as ways to either distract or kind of like meditate themselves away from, from doing. <laughs> and so I just found this dichotomy. It's like this world is all about ambition and drive and relentless action. And this world is all about space and unplugging. And I thought, why can't we do both? And that really started a quest to integrate both of these worlds in a way that led me to believe that not only can they coexist, but they're meant to. In other words, that there's principles found in bringing a creative vision of life that translate beautifully into some of that inner work. And the inner work and the consciousness practices and the meditation in this space and the time with the family at the lake does amazing things for our creativity and our ability to bring a dream to life. And so that's where the concept, that's, that was the, the first seed of the concept coming to life. Hmm. And where, what brought you to 
both of those worlds? Like what's some of the background to you being in like all in on that secret world? Cause I know you, you went deep, like financially deep to, to the point of uh, I read something about being dumped in the Pacific ocean blindfolded. <laughs> like you were in it. Tommy yeah. was in deep in the secret world. Like what, I guess, what did that look like or, or what brought you to that space? Yeah. And it, it's, that's, uh, <laughs> I love that. So, um, it's, it is, it is interesting. If you think about that scene, you know, nobody winds up there by accident. <laughs> um, but it goes back to self-preservation and it goes back to, for me, questions. And it does go back to questions. I'm not just saying that because this is your podcast and your new book, but since I was, since I lived so much time in a third world country, I was able to, um, gather a lot of perspective about the opportunities and the things that we have here that we often take for granted. Um, and that allowed me to create the perspective to really answer or pursue the answers to three questions. Who am I? Mm. Why am I here? And what does this all mean? Now, those questions don't make me special. We all have those questions. But the gift that I got from moving across these different environments was that uh, many times because of cultural differences, I wouldn't fit in with the, the the current group. It was just like being a seventh right. grader in Bogota, Colombia is a lot different than being a seventh grader, you know, in a suburban Connecticut town. And yeah. so basically uh, I spent a lot of time alone and that time alone gave me the space and the mental uh, bandwidth to at, start to a- answer those questions. And so ask and answer those questions. And so, you know, I'd be, <laughs> I'd be in, in a fraternity party and, and like deep down, I, I, I was, I was asking myself, like, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, not just, not just this context, but like, what am I doing here? And what are we doing here? And I was just obsessive about answering those questions. And so the seeking path provided endless outlets to answer mm. those questions, right? To go to these events, to learn from some of the best, to study books like the Baba Gagita and so many other sources of wisdom. Um, where, get where did that, you learn the clarity. questions? Like where, where did it like, cause I'm, I'm thinking like a lot of people wouldn't even th- think about thinking about like, you're out of the fraternity party thing. Like, like what the hell am I doing here? Like what's this all for? <laughs> right. Like, yeah. was that in your life or did you have someone kind of coaching you in the family or giving an example of some sort? I think the biggest source was again, that the not belonging created mm. a certain amount of friction okay. that left me only with the only outlet was to to ask questions because otherwise, I mean, there could have been a lot more less productive outlets for sure. But that feeling of, I don't fit in here. I don't fit in there. Who am I? If I, if I'm, if I'm wedged between these two cultures, um, who am I? Like, who am I if I can't fit into either of these cultures? And so that became a vehicle in my mind to really, to really pursue those questions in a real way, because like we all have those questions, but, um, and I believe at some point, no matter what happens, whether our life circumstances or whatever, we're going to, we're going to get serious about asking and and answering those questions. Yeah, totally. And I guess, would you answer those questions or think about those questions or however you like whatever practice facilitated them and for you to actually answer them and stuff like that, would you, would you do it differently today if you're asking the same questions? I don't think so because there's there's so many layers to it. And to me, it's the process of answer, the, really the process of anything, but the process, you know, answering these questions is such an exploratory process. It's a discovery process. It's the, it's Campbell's hero's journey. It's a vulnerable process. It's a messy yeah. process. It's a fun process too. Um, so I wouldn't because the process was is and was long and winding and full of ups and downs and twists and turns. But I think that's the beautiful thing because each time they become more layered. And so the answers actually become much more powerful as you evolve. That's why I love the question that you start out with, because that's going to change. You know, that, that my answer to that question is going to be different two weeks from now. Okay. Gotcha. Um, I want to get to the, to the messy middle and the sweet spot, but before, like we've talked about that secret world and you provide some really good context there, but I, but I would love to just unpack your hustler world uh, before that and like what you were doing, what kind of work you were doing, like what led to 
that whole space of just grinding it out. And eventually, uh, from from my understanding, you, you know, pushed you into the, the whole other opposite world, essentially, right? Because I think you were in the, <laughs> yeah. that hustle world first, right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the context. Yeah, no. So like many, I, I drifted into into a career. For me, it was a career on Wall Street. Um, it had nothing to do with something that I was purposeful or passionate about. It just was there. And I had family influences as part of that um, and cultural influences. And I found myself um, in a place where my performance was really strong, but it was completely out of alignment with what I actually truly wanted. Um, I did get the gift of being on a train in New York City headed towards the financial district on Wall Street uh, the day of the 2008 crash. And so at mm. that point, I had kind of set myself up uh, for a career in the financial services industry, had secured a great job with a, uh, a firm called Smith Barney, had crushed their internship program for the last 18 months. Um, but that day, everything came to a halt. And it was one of those inflection points that we get. And I was on a train surrounded by, at that time in that industry, probably 95% men who were yeah. in their 40s, 50s, and 60s. Um, and I just felt the collective energy of the room. Now, some may call that judgment. Maybe some of them were passionate. But I, I have a pretty strong case to know that they weren't. And I just felt kind of like the, the, the wind had been knocked out of them in a very mm. real way. Some probably lost their nest egg or their investments or maybe had their own questions of like, why are we doing this if this is, this is the end result? Yeah. So that led me to, to – that gave me the opportunity to um, start to ask a different set of questions, which is if this isn't what I want, what do I actually want? And that's also can be that's a vulnerable. A great question. It is, it is, but it can be difficult. Now, at that point, um, I did have a, a passion for helping people physically uh, in their in their physical wellness and their um, their ability to move their body and use their body as, a, and as an expression of who they are. And so, I took that and ran with it. And then, during the next three years, I gathered myself to, to launch uh, my own fitness business and my fitness facility. Um, and then we ended up having multiple locations, uh, super successful franchise opportunity, um, a staff of about 15 people. But again, I got to, and there's been talking you know, a lot of hustle involved in that, right? Seven days yeah. a week, working Sundays. I'd pride myself when it was holidays. My staff would say, Tommy, tomorrow's 4th of July. It's Christmas Eve. We probably don't have classes, right? And I would always be surprised and shocked that people wouldn't want to train their bodies on a day like that, or my employees wouldn't come in, wouldn't want to come in, you know? And so I tipped the scales so hard in that direction. I didn't go on a date for an entire year. Um, you know, Ooh. just went all in in a way that, again, can be healthy until it's not anymore. And and along the way, I, I realized that with, you know, there's so many words about purpose and passion. I, I feel like our purpose, our purpose evolves as we do. And I had gotten to the point where my purpose had evolved away from the vehicle of purpose, which had been physical training and helping people in that. Um, sure. And all of the hustle was actually masking the insight of this is no longer the place that I want to find myself in in the next three, five, and 10 years, despite any successes that we've created. And so that landed me in a place where I realized this is not for me anymore. Now, the hard thing is that it's easy to say that when something isn't working because people will say, yeah, you know, it's time to change. You can do this. You know, of course, you know, you were on Wall Street. That doesn't work. But when it's the thing that you said you really wanted and you did for a while, now it's it's much more difficult to, to express that. So in a nutshell, that's where Hustle drove me to create something um, out of my own doing, to be responsible for 15 people's livelihoods, which I think is such an incredible responsibility as business owners. Um, yeah. But then also to realize this is not where I want to stay. Sure. Hello friends, I've got something for you that I've personally seen and continue to see the benefits from in my sleep and mood. So let me ask you a question. Have you ever had your mind race with anxious thoughts when you lie down to fall asleep or those thoughts are the first thing you think about when waking up? Please tell me I'm not the only one because I like to think I'm human like the rest of you. 
but I'm happy to report that not only has my sleep improved, but those looping thoughts have almost completely vanished since I started taking two capsules of magnesium breakthrough by, by optimizers before going to bed. As it turns out, magnesium is extremely important for mental and neurological health. Studies have shown that magnesium deficiency causes animals to be stressed and anxious, and in humans, a low magnesium diet is associated with anxiety and depression. Now you might be taking magnesium already, and so was I, but here's what I didn't know. There are actually seven unique forms of magnesium, and you must get all of them if you want to experience its calming and sleep-enhancing effects. That's why I'm pumped and highly recommend Magnesium Breakthrough. And of course, I'd like to thank the team over at BioOptimizers for supporting this episode and improving my sleep and mental health, and hopefully yours as well. So to save 10% when you try Magnesium Breakthrough, use the code BEHINDTHEHUMAN10 over at magbreakthrough.com forward slash behindthehuman. Also, for a limited time, Buy Optimizers is also giving away free bottles of their best-selling products, P30M and Masszymes, with select purchases while supplies last. Check out the show notes for the direct link and code. I'm serious. This stuff is the real deal. Message me after you try it because I'd love to hear about your results. Now back to the show. Well, it's interesting because, and, and this might not be the case, but what I'm hearing though is that at one point there was some time with that question. Um, if this isn't what I want, what is it that I want? And I'm assuming you obviously, you answered that and went all in, did what you needed to do to make that, that or take, uh, allow that business to take off and grow it and stuff like that. But at some point in that journey, you came back to that question and and those answers, right? And saw there's, okay, some, some, some way, somewhere along the way I've, I've veered off of that core answer. Yes. Uh, to make that decision then to, which is hard. I, I totally resonated. There's a, it's not the exact same scenario, but I remember when I was leaving the corporate world to pursue Keo, Keo the journaling app, it, it felt so weird or different because it wasn't one of those scenarios like you're describing where people, where I was unhappy with my job. Sure. It's like you're doing, I was doing well and kind of, you know, you were doing really well, but there's still something there. For me, there was a, a an element of, of, potentially regretting not trying this this scratch your own itch kind of scenario or idea for you obviously it was that misalignment with that the answer to that main question but it's not the norm it's not the norm that you hear about all the time of just like dreading going into work and things like that right exactly which which can make the actual change that much harder because yeah the hardest place to change from is this place where things are good especially when things are good externally right but because it's easy to make change from a place of this isn't working or you're in some survival state or your back is up against the wall. But in this other stage where things are working, that's that's the most difficult because you have something to lose. <laughs> like you have something yeah. really real to lose. Um, but I like what you said about, you know, kind of veering off because that's how it is inside of these stages. It's like, I, I call it being out of alignment, but it starts with just a small tick here and a small tick there. But if we yeah. don't build the awareness practices and the introspection and the answering of questions and the downtime, which I didn't because I was going 24-7, uh, <laughs> then that, that small, that one degree turns to two and then it turns to six and then it compounds and then you're in a completely different place. And that's when you hit a crisis moment or a what am I doing here or an external factor of health or relationship kind of wakes you up uh, for, from the from the drifting. Yeah. That's so important. I mean, and I know James Clear talks a lot about that. And he, he had brought that up as well on, on this show about just like that one click or degree yeah. off from the path. Yeah. Right. And it just keeps adding up. So it's to me, like I'm biased obviously with, and I feel like you've probably are as well, just with introspection and questions, but I mean, it's just such, such a fundamental practice that doesn't take a long time or doesn't have to take a long time to just quickly check in to make sure that those those little you know the one by one degree off don't add up to this massive challenge right like we don't have to hit i know you and i have both hit those walls but you don't <laughs> yeah. have to hit those massive walls like it it's not the prerequisite to <laughs> finding the right path for for yourself right in the work that you should be doing or that feels aligned 
No, it's it's those small daily practices that are easy to do, easy not to do, that I feel are the create the highest leverage for gaining some of these insights ahead of time. So we can actually make decisions that are from a conscious place, not a reactive state. And yeah. um and, and that's why blending your ambition or your creativity or whatever your definition of success is with these practices. Um, again, I went full extreme. It's my personality. That's, you know, that, and that's not for everyone. You know, I, I went so deep into that world, um, because I was ravenous in my quest and I had the opportunity. I was, I was younger and I had little responsibility and I was able to do that, but I, I never want people to, th- you know, there's, I do think pattern interrupts, you know, kind of leaving your environment, changing something up, going to a two day weekend, like getting out of your day to day is important, but it's not required. It's just small things on a daily basis that add up. And, uh, and I think sometimes the simple stuff, because it's not sexy and it won't sell out an arena and, um, it probably won't perform great on Facebook ads. The smallest stuff really, really does add up. So true. Well, we're definitely going to talk about that because I, I essentially I've got two questions for you. Like, what what is the sweet spot for you? Where, where did you land in that sweet spot that you talk about in the book, which is you know the overlap of those two worlds, hustler and seeker culture or, or way of living, should we say? And then I guess the 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 complementing question is somewhere along what you were just mentioning, but just how are you taking temperature checks? you know, on a daily or weekly basis so that you're not like, you said it, you're, 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 your kind of default is the extreme. So it's like, how do you avoid hitting the extremes again and again type thing? <laughs> Absolutely. Love that. Um, so yeah, the, the sweet spot. So, so basically I believe that we all have, you know, if, if, if you resonate with this, like there's, there's a sweet spot that we all have and it's going to, it's going to vary based on the season of our life and the theme of our life and the pattern of our life. Um, and where we are, like, for example, right now you and I are in a book launch and a book, you know, we finished our, our creating the book and now we're launching it. There is no doubt I am at a 85 to 90% kind of hustler mentality when it comes to getting yeah. this out because you and I believe in our work and we want to get it into as many hands as possible. Um, so I get that and I understand that. However, I know it's not sustainable. I know what I did the last two days in you know in recording my audiobook and the amount of energy that was going out that had me coming back to my most prized focus, which is uh, my wife. Um, that's not the standard that I want to come home with, you know, feeling empty. And so it's, it's about seasons and having the self-awareness to know where you are in those seasons, but also being careful because we're so good at adapting. I I thought this to myself yesterday, I was like, I could adapt to this. I don't want to, but I'm saying I could adapt to a 12 hour day of being in a studio or whatever the other, you know, representation of that could be. And in 90 days, this could be my, this could be my thing because we're so good at adapting, and so we have to be very careful there. So um, I know after the book launch, probably leading into late December, um, into the new year, I'm going to flip the script on that, and I'm going to be 30% hustling. I'm still going to be creating because I think it's progress, ex, you know, progress, external progress in our lives is very important. It's one of the highest uh, forms of human motivation that psychologists have found, um, but. I'm going to take a step back and I'll be less available and I'll be less front facing kind of like yeah. doing this type of stuff. And I'll be more introspective for a couple months maybe. And, uh, and then I'll recalibrate and hopefully find a more, you know, conducive sweet spot. Yeah. I love that. I mean, I love, I love so much about how you answered that question. I mean, it's just, I think the big thing is giving ourselves the permission to be okay that, you know, it's not binary, right? Like exactly. to the point, like our lives, our lives are seasons. And what I often think about is just, just like nature, right? Like you, you go through summer and spring and fall and winter and like you, re, you need all of those seasons to make the whole damn thing work. Right. Yeah. So it's the same thing in, in these scenarios. But re, I think that the key and what you talk about is just how, you know, amazing we are at adapting to things that we need something to, keep us in check on that. And I don't know if it's helpful, but just going through a similar process right now, there's a question that I keep thinking about or that I keep reflecting on. And it's just, am I enjoying the journey? And to try to just, you know, 
even because I resonate with damn, damn you audiobooks. They're, <laughs> they're a hell of a lot of work. Um, but just like, again, like this is for me, at least this is the, this is the first time I'll ever do the first audiobook. I'll do others, yeah. I'm sure. And whatnot. So like, enjoy this or, you know, in your case too, it's the first time you're ever going to do first and only time you're ever going to do the audiobook for, you know, hustlers and seekers like that. There's something special about that and just trying to like slow down a bit and and just enjoy that so we can get almost like those micro moments of that seeker culture or uh reflection and whatnot and just you know so we don't go complete burnout in that scenario and it's it, that perspective is it's so important you know i mean this happened literally yesterday where we were recording and i hit a wall and it was a huge wall and my producer realized it and we we're both i was getting frustrated and then we both took a step back and we said hey um you know this is um he was my producer i was his first client like he's running his own business his dream what he wanted to do audio production full-time i'm here in a studio doing what I want to do full time by choice. And so we just yeah. had a moment that it was like exactly what you said. Are we enjoying this ride? And if we're not, let's, let's change something about what's going on right in this dynamic, because yeah. we want to remember this as a, yes, it's a hard and grueling process. I don't think there's any way around that, but it's also fun and exploratory yeah. and you learn a parts about yourself in, in so many different ways. And I think that's just so important. And you asked me, how do you check in with um, with that sweet spot, right? That was the second part of your, your question earlier. And I, I think it's important to be in tune with where you are physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually on a daily, weekly, and, and uh, monthly and quarterly basis. Um, and some of that is very uh, for me intuitive in terms of this is how I'm, I'm feeling today from an emotional level. And again, that varies with any project yeah. that you're creating, but then also adding in some practices that are that are more practical. Like on a Sunday, I take a step back. I zoom out from the movie of my life, and I, I teach this to a lot of people, um, but we take a 30,000-foot view. And we kind of just watch ourselves through the week from a non-emotional place this time and just see like where are the places where um, we showed up powerfully, where are the places where... Um, we maybe didn't, and what can we learn from it? And I think if you're able to merge, and this is al almost like a its own micro hustling and seeking dichotomy, but if you're able to merge, um, if you're able to check in with yourself emotionally and then have a practice that's a little bit more logical and rational, then you then you can iterate on the fly, and then you can make small yeah. tweaks on the fly. You're like, hey, these past two weeks, I haven't been as connected in my relationship. So instead of avoiding that or discarding it and then waking up six months down the line and being completely disconnected, okay, it's been a couple weeks. What are the three things that I'm going to do this week to change that? Okay, I'm going to leave a note every single day. I'm going to make sure we have a three-hour date night on Thursday. And then you then the thing that started to become a little bit of a challenge now becomes an opportunity. Totally. All right. Hello, friends. I have something to admit to you all. I am no longer recording this show out of my Mini Cooper. And surprise if you didn't know that. Thanks to the awesome humans over at Loop Phone Booths, I'm recording two podcasts in their flex booth at home. I'm also recording my audiobook, Personal Socrates, in this booth while my five-year-old is running around downstairs screaming, being a five-year-old. The booth rocks. So if you're looking for a space to take calls, record in, or just find a little quiet in your day, check them out. They're over at loopphonebooths.com. Now back to the show. I, I'm a huge uh, subscriber to the idea of these, I guess you can call them weekly check-ins in, in yeah. some capacity. I've talked a little bit about this in the show in the past. For me, I do them on Friday, usually Friday afternoons around three or four. Try not to be like the last thing where you're you know, speeding through to kind of sure. bookend the, the week. <laughs> but And just taking a look at the calendar and like where the time went and what I did, what, you know, three questions. What can I, what did I learn this week? Uh, what, what inspired me this week? And then what can I celebrate about the week? Always Love finish it. with the celebration part. And yes. I, I just find... I find it's just a beautiful way to bookend the week and also then, you know, show up fully there for your family and your wife, your friends and, and kids and, and whatnot. Cause it's like, you've, you've processed what happened in the week. 
you know, not exactly. to say that obviously your mind's still like, I think any entrepreneur, like our minds are always thinking of, of different things, but you've at least taken a huge part of that week and just acknowledged it and, and let it go. And like, you're, you're almost ready for the, the week to come type thing. So yeah, and, um, and, and, yeah. And that practice is, you know, it's, it, I don't know how long yours is. Mine can take in as little as 25 to 30 minutes. You know, it doesn't have to be yeah. this huge thing, totally. but it, the ROI that we get on that, I mean, and especially I'm now working from home. A lot of listeners probably working from home. Our minds are so uh, environmentally based. And so maybe in the past you used to commute and on Friday, on Fridays you were driving for 30 minutes and you were kind of going through that process, maybe not yeah. super conscious, but it was like happening in the background. Now the lines are really blurred for a lot of us. So I think it's even more important to do those type of practices. Oh, totally. I think I'm a real firm believer that literally minutes of mental fitness or reflection time on a daily or weekly basis can prevent hours and days and years of just struggle and, yeah. and just spinning of the wheels. So it's like for anyone that, you know, resonates with what Tommy just said about, you know, trying to find the time. Like just keep that in mind that just a few minutes, it's literally a few minutes, even setting one intention for the day and how you want to feel or how you want to show up for yourself and others can just save the whole day from turning into this massive, like out of control type feeling of a, of a day, right? Exactly. It's powerful. Um, sticking to the practices, talk to me. First of all, like what it, when I say mental fitness, I'm always curious people's uh, perception on, on the word, like what, what does that mean to you? Yeah, I love that, you know, coming from, from you know, about two decades of, of being in, entrenched in the physical world. When I think about that, it's just, um, it's it goes back to practice. And I love that how often you use the word practice because like a workout, there's going to be workouts that we show up that um, we feel like don't move the needle. Like we didn't have the energy or they just weren't that good. The key is that we're consistently showing up. And so for me, mental fitness, when I think about that, it's just about being committed to the practice regardless of the quote-unquote result. And I think you talked about this earlier. It's that um, it's very easy to take all of these practices and say, hey, I'm going to do a five-minute meditation because I got a huge sales call and yeah. this meditation is going to directly impact that sales call. And I'm not here to say that it won't, but I'm here to say that by living in conditionality, hey, this practice needs to turn into this ROI, you actually lose the essence of what the whole practice is to yeah. be immersed and present in what you're doing. And so to me, mental fitness is is the workout of the most important real estate in our brain, which is in our in, in the world, which is the six inches between our ears that determines pretty much um, everything from the results that we create to the yeah. fulfillment that we have to the peace and the clarity. And so to me, it's the most important part of, of what we do. Yeah. So other than the Sunday practice you've got going on, like what are some of the non-negotiables in your life when it comes to, uh, and it doesn't just have to be mental fitness, but just like some of the rituals or routines that you have that you've noticed have been super helpful for you. Yeah, for me, it's daily non-negotiable to check in with what I call my North Star vision. Okay. Um, and it's just five minutes a day and just putting myself in a state of what does that look like? What does it feel like? What are some of the patterns and the themes that emerge? Um, and I always tell people, if you're going to check email, if you're going to check social media, I just, I hope that you have five minutes to check in with your future version of yourself. Now, the reason that I do that is because that filters all of my decisions and choices for the rest of the day. So when I check in based on that version of myself and I do a visualization, sometimes it's three years out, sometimes it's one, sometimes it's the book launch, mm. sometimes it's 20 years. But that allows me to reverse engineer today's choices based on that vision instead of making choices based on the past or some scarcity, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So that's a complete non-negotiable. Oh, let's, we're, we definitely can't oh, move okay. from that yet. So uh, I love it. Um, sure. So what, practically speaking, like how, like wh what does that look like? Are you reading something that you've, you've, um, you know, written out? Is this like a vision board type thing? Is it like, how, how are you doing it? Yeah, it's a combination of visualization, meditation, and sometimes journaling wrapped into one. It's a little bit of an okay. intuitive process, but sure. basically it's, it's, and the prompt that I give people is, um, you wake up, you know, we're having this conversation in 
I don't even know what month it is. September. That's that's how you know you're in the middle of. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So is Damn it you sep- audiobook. <laughs> <laughs> it's September 2024. Three years later, we're having this conversation. Or those who are listening, you wake up in September 2024, and you've had three of the most invigorating, thriving, um, fulfilling, peaceful years of your life. Paint me a picture. Walk me through a day. Walk me through a week. What are some of the things? What are some of the experiences that you're going through, et cetera, et cetera? So that's a simple prompt. And again, I I, I mess around with the years because that that practice allows me to see themes and patterns. Ooh, maybe maybe this thing I keep seeing short term, but long term it's not coming up. Yeah. Why is that? Maybe that needs to be replaced, or maybe I need to let go of that sooner rather than later. And so it's a, it's an iterative process, but again, it's five minutes. And the way that I conclude it, and sometimes it's five, 10, 15, but the way that I finish it is that, did I feel the emotionality behind the vision? Yeah. In other words, was I just going through the motions and was I super logical about it? Or did something in my heart center kind of really feel what was coming up? And once I hit that, and I'm like, okay, I've, I've hit the spot and now I can make decisions from that place. Love that. Love it. Um, I have something if, you, if, you, if you'd like, because it, it sounds familiar and it's been something I've really enjoyed personally and, and some people I've worked with as well have, have commented on this. But along the same lines, um, before you go to bed, as soon as yes. your, your head hits the pillow again, checking into that visualization. And it's, I, I just find it's a beautiful way to help fall asleep as well. Cause now you're, you know, you're really thinking about that, that story and narrative and hence the apps like Headspace and Calm that are putting, to, sure. putting you to sleep with sleep stories. I mean, I'd rather have my own story than Alice in Wonderland. Um, <laughs> but you go to bed with that, that story and, and that visualization and you know, the other obviously nice byproduct of that, like your mind is still working on that, that scene as you're sleeping as well. So, um, yeah, I'm a huge, huge that. fan of, of yeah, visualization in that sense. Yeah, that's good. I'm going to add in, um, or I'm going to uh, test out um, the morning version of that. Though I like that. Yeah, stuff. because to me, it 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 just allows me to say, you know, our I mean, our lives are ultimately a culmination of the choices and decisions that we make on a daily basis. And so, just to have to me to prime that compass on a daily basis, like of course I know what the vision is at any yeah. given moment, but it's there's so much noise and there's so much distraction. And so, Hey, somebody wants to grab a virtual coffee with me or whatever. I can now make a decision based on Does that fit the vision that I keep coming back to? Um, and it makes it, it, it allows, it just makes things so much easier in regards to that. And so, uh, yeah. but yeah, t- test the reminders. Test yeah, yeah, exactly. We need play them. around with it. A hundred percent. Um, what else are you doing? I'm sure there's other things. Yeah. So another one is, and I think this is a, an issue that happens when you are tapping into the vision, into a vision or goals. Often is that you can, you can get lost in, in the gap. Dan Sullivan, the the, the entrepreneur co- coach, calls the gap, which is like you're here and the vision is there, and now you're focused on how much space is in between. And so, another mm, practice. Good point. Um, is to break the year down into into the four quarters, into the 90 days, um, and really just have three, I, I like to get a max of three priorities for each quarter. Uh, and sometimes they bleed over, like something like a book is much longer than just a quarter. But um, that allows, to, to me, it allows me and, and some of the people that I work with um, to pour the right physical, mental, emotional, financial, spiritual energy into one, two, or three buckets instead of trying to do 15 things at once. And I think, yeah, especially for entrepreneurs, I mean, this happens to everyone, but especially for entrepreneurs where you are often wearing many hats, especially early on in a venture or before you've solidified a team or delegated, um, it can be very easy to feel like you're doing a lot and you might be literally doing a lot, but you're not actually moving the needle in a very... Um, systematic way. And so my whole thing, it's kind of like Greg McCowan's uh, essentialism. It's like less is more. Let's only do two or three priorities for this quarter. And then this priority that we really wanted to do, let's let's move it to, to um, you know, maybe later down in the year. And again, based on what we talked about seasons, it's like you might have a, a, a quarter that's very intense and those three projects consume a lot of your bandwidth. 
maybe the next quarter you're doing one big thing and then the two are more supportive um, of that bigger mission. So that's another thing, yeah. breaking down breaking down the year. Uh, it sounds so simple. A lot of people just don't do it. Um, and if you're really focused, I, I believe you can create you know, six months, nine months, 12 months worth of progress in a, in a 90 day cycle if you do it right. So true. I like that. I mean, it just, it just makes things approachable and, and manageable. And I think gives us enough hope to hope and motivation, not hope, sorry, motivation and, and drive to say, okay, yeah, you know what? I can, I can do this. Like this is, it's, it's manageable. I've never done uh, what I'm about to suggest, but I, I feel you just kind of inspired it. But I, the idea of themes or seasons, I feel like it would be fun to link those up with the actual seasons. I know. And, right. Like, because I'm thinking of like the book stuff, like we're, you know, we're going to enter into like the fall launch season. And it's like, you can physically feel and see and smell of those changes in our environment linked up with, like you said, the three, let's say the three priorities for the fall season. And then as we enter into the winter, like kind of shift it up and you, I don't know. I mean, again, I've never tried this, but I, I, I think I'm going to try this after this conversation to link up that other element that I feel like can only be beneficial in the whole process. Yeah. And we're, we're, you know, we're obviously designed, we're meant to, and we're designed to in our circadian rhythms. And just, there's so many things that are, that are part of this process. Um, so, you know, I love Ryan Holiday. I, he's, he's one of my favorite writers and thought leaders. And, you know, I, I just, it, one of the things that he does is, so he, <laughs> he says the day he submits a book, he starts writing the next. Yeah. And for, for, for years, I, I kind of like bought into that because I was like, well, if he does it and he's, you know, an exemplary in my field, well, I should probably do that too. And I found that I was forcing myself to come up with ideas that weren't good at all. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Start. And so, um, I, you know, and I, I think it's important to, you know, for me now, like after this one, it's, it's a, I am going to take, plenty of bandwidth I, I still i write every day just because that that fuels a part of me it makes me make sense of the world but a lot of yeah. that doesn't even see the light of day it's not something that i'm like putting out into the world always but yeah just creating that 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 bandwidth so i'm with you there because i got i got a nice winter coming very <laughs> soon and totally. uh, it's going to be a lot of reflection and there's going to be a lot of campfires and uh and uh early nights to bed and less of that hustle uh, energy coming out. Um, but it's important because, again, even on a micro level, and I'm sure somebody listening can relate and you can as well, it's like, you know, we've all hit that point where we're doing work. We're doing our work and it could be very purposeful and very aligned, but we know that our quality has dipped. We know that if we stay yeah. on this thing for the next two and a half hours, sure, we're going to make some progress. But the next day, we're going to need to edit most of that or it won't be our best work. And so at that point, going to the park, going to the hike, spending time with family, listening to your favorite art or music or whatever it is, is actually much more productive yeah. Productive than staying with it. You know, I asked one of my groups the other day, I said, what's more productive? Because we talk a lot about focus. I said, what's more productive, a two-hour block of focus time or a hike with the dogs and a hot bath? And the answer was... It depends because yeah. you might be at a point where you, your, your creativity and your ability to come up with fresh ideas is going to be much more productive when you're out in the world. And yes, sometimes we have to sit down and we have to focus and that's the only option. But I love what you said there because I'm cognizant of that too. And the thing is, I, after I moved from the East Coast to Arizona, I miss having the actual seasons. You know, Our seasons are like from yeah, 110 – to 80. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I, one thing I really miss, and that's why we try to travel in, in the winters, is the looking out the window and seeing the, 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 the leaves fall and seeing the snow coming in because that does something internally that says, oh, um, I should honor whatever's happening yeah. out there, even on a micro level, right? It, it doesn't mean that you have to go to this full season where you're not doing anything, but let me just honor that. Let me honor totally. the fact that it's darker now and I'm going to go to bed earlier. I'm going to wake up later. And small things like that, I think, really get us in tune with our primal selves. Love it all, my man. I mean, I, um, 
I want to respect your time. We're, we're approaching the hour on this one. And I think I actually have your questions unless you have some other ones that you want to drop. But I mean, I've got some really good ones here. I've got, who am I? Why am I here? What does this all mean? Great sequence there as well. And then obviously is, if this isn't what I want, what is it that I want? Um, so good. Do, do you, is, are there others that um, come to mind? Yeah, um, there's there's one. I, I think this originally was, um, I expanded on it. I think it was uh, Marie Forleo's. I think I heard this once. I just want to give credit where credit is due. But um, I, I do this one a lot, which is, wouldn't it be cool, fun, and amazing to, and then you just leave, you just draw a line, and then you just fill in mm. the blanks. And so one of the things that I like doing in my journals is asking that question and then coming back into it as time passes and just writing down, without thinking about the how, without none of that, just yeah. what would you want to experience basically is is the question. And so it's fun to look back on that because I do that about once a month. And, you know, five years ago, wouldn't it be cool, fun, and amazing to write your own book? Wouldn't it be yeah. cool, fun, and amazing to interview some of the world's most brilliant minds? And you look back and you're like, the things that you used to just ask and dream about are the things that you're now doing on a daily basis. And that's a lot of fun. So that's, that's, so that's another one that's a little less uh, on the heavy meaning side, but more on the let's explore possibility side, which is always fun. I like that you brought that up because you're so right. I mean, we, and I do this all the time. We, we often default to these practices to like unpack heavy emotional situations or sure. to really, like you said, dive into meaning and purpose and all of that, which is obviously super valuable. And we, you know, we need to do that. But there's a whole other side of these practices that unlock, you know, just a lot of fun and a lot of uh, benefit when it comes to like, uh, you know, uh, the, the prompt that you just left or that exercise, right? Naveen Jane's got a good one too that I, I've often used is just a it's similar concept. Imagine if this was possible and like you yeah. just kind of go down that, that rabbit hole and uh, it's, yeah, it's fun because it just, I think that question and, and what you just left just removes the barriers, removes exactly. any type of, you know, rules and judgments and things like that, that we, we often set on ourselves and others set uh, towards us as well. And just, you know, allows you to be a kid again and go. <laughs> that's, that's and what it's about. And then these things show up. Surprise, exactly. surprise. <laughs> yeah. And, and you can even make it smaller. You could say, you know, uh, you're taking a road, a weekend road trip, you know, uh, if this was the funnest trip I've taken in the last three years, what would happen? And you just you just go with it. And then you're on the trip and then you remember and then you're like, let me put on that song and we're just all going to sing along. It's like it's small things that allow you to shift perspective. And you're right. If we're not having fun with it, then what's the point? <laughs> so true. Well, amazing. I mean, I feel so grateful and, and privileged to have uh, been able to have essentially two talks with you back to back, one on your show and then now one over here uh, regarding our respective books and sharing our journeys and whatnot. I mean, hopefully we don't have to wait until the next book is written to uh, no way. do, this, no to do way. this again. It seems like a long grind to make that happen. But uh, thank you so much for your time, your dedication and effort into this space and helping others and, you know, being vulnerable yourself in your writing. I definitely felt that in this book. Um, you know, it means a lot, right? And there, there are other people in the other side that are benefiting from uh, you putting yourself out there and doing this work and showing up every day. So thank you for that. And uh, until next time. Mark means the world right back to you, man. And thank you for having me on your incredible show. 